Hi, everybody. We'll get to the high folks in a, in a moment. Uh, first, I want to warn you that uh, this week we are talking about some hard subjects. We are talking about uh, end-of-life care, aging, uh, medical concerns, uh, mortality, and trauma in our interview this week. It is an astounding interview, but listener discretion is advised for this one. Hi, folks. This podcast is recorded in a house with animals. Poor Sergei. He's he's no longer the number two cat. He was never the number two cat. Yeah, but now they're making sure he knows it. I think it's that he's the only male cat, and um, female cats uh, tend to be in charge. Yeah. And now he is uh, just everyone's punching bag. Poor guy. Yeah. It's, it's uh, so yeah, that... There may be interruptions from dogs, cats, but no chickens. The chickens are all asleep. Indeed. The other thing to mention is we swear a lot. Oh, do we ever. There is uh, no limit upon the swears we might entail, uh, but that's really the worst of it, other than the content warning at the beginning of the thing. And it's it's all valuable stuff. Most of us will go through a, a end-of-life issue with a parent or relative, uh, sometimes more than one, and... There's a lot of stuff to get through on that. Yeah. So on that note, uh, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 136. I am really, I mean, to continue talking about the upcoming interview, uh, it was intense. And I'm really looking forward to sharing it with everybody because it is an amazing discussion. I, I think you might remember... When I like finished this one and came yeah, upstairs, yeah, you, you sort of were were gobsmacked. We're like, I have to call yeah. my parents and ask them about their wills. Oh, that's not all. I have an entire list of things to talk to them about, uh, and my sister about uh, relating to all of those subjects. And so, we'll and this is good to know because we don't know what we don't know. When my uh, when my stepfather died, the number of things. I did not know <laughs> and had to get up to speed on real damn quick. Well, and it's it's not just that. You didn't have to deal with any of the uh, actual care of him. No, no, in, I did in not. In that phase. And that is something that Heather, who we interview today, is doing. And so for those of you who are like, oh, God, I'm going to have to do this for my parents someday or, or I'm doing it for my with my parents or grandparents, this is, this is, you know, this is some stuff and big eye opener for me, big eye opener for me. And I, I really hope everybody is as captivated by this as I was during the discussion. I honestly, when I went in, one of the people who helped me the most was my friend Badger, who, uh, uh, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just found this out. And he's like, let me tell you about hospice care. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, getting and that changed everything for my mom. So uh, these are very valuable things to know. But mm -hmm. we will get to them in a minute. How was your week, Kevin? Uh, actually, pretty good. Good, good. I had a milestone due on Friday and hit it. Uh, we're just waiting for like the finer points of the code review to put it into the main tree for work. So that's good. We have uh, the big evaluation of the environment 
the third party pen test happening this week. So everybody's sort of on pins and needles waiting for those results, or at least for it to complete, because we can't make any changes while it's actually running. And the company doing it's on the East Coast. Right. right. So a lot of what I'm doing this week is stuff that will not change anything in the environment, uh, which you know, puts a, a burden on other time zones, but it's, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, really, uh, really a lot of progress and some good discussions. Woo. Yeah. And you know, I think I've got a concert Friday. Awesome. So that'll be nice. I'm getting tattooed Saturday. I have a pork roast in the uh, thawing for Sunday. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty good. And, we have eggs, so many eggs. Oh God, the eggs! <laughs> One point we had fifty-seven eggs in the fridge. I, we we managed to r- reduce that number. Yes. Uh, then we were back up. We had an eighteen egg frittata last night, I believe it was. Yes. And I still had enough eggs to give away a dozen today. It, it has been very helpful that our friend Shepard comes over occasionally to cook eggs. Right. <laughs> Uh, if there's there's one thing that having a, a sworn vassal for you <laughs> has been very useful for is I'm cooking less. Yes. I yes. want to cook more, but I don't have the energy or the time. And so cooking is a lot of stress lately, it's, especially with the longer hours trying to hit deadlines and all that stuff. And so it's been a big help. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A big, big help. Whoa. How about you? Uh, There's been a lot of screaming this past week. Um, has there? Something about, oh God, oh God, the book is due in three weeks. Oh, oh yes. God, oh God. Oh God, oh God, the book is due in three weeks. It's it's going along if I can just get, uh, I mean, I, I the end is in sight. <laughs> it should, I should be able to finish it by the, the, the two week mark um, or three week mark. Not two weeks. Oh, God. I still get a couple more days than that. You got a little more days than that, yeah. Uh, it's just I'm getting to the point where I can't do my usual, I don't want to work on this today, so I will work on this other project. Uh, I got to work on this today. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's a thing. It's, uh, it's, that's not always easy for me. I am, I am a bounce madly between projects person, and I have as you know internet have basically arranged the system so that my uh my needs match my workflow essentially uh i or my workflow matches what i can do and the books get written according to my workflow and the system works it's just that occasionally we run into moments where it's like you got to finish this book and it's possible that I will at some point in the next week have one of those this is getting done today moments where I write 10,000 words and the book is over. Um, Those are valuable and useful and incredibly taxing. They are, uh, they, and I always feel like such a wimp complaining about this because like most of the time, you know, I work like, two, three hours a day. You work, you know, eight hours. I, it's, it's not like I'm, I, but I try not to because I know that like, 
if I was working for eight hours a day, I would still get the same amount done. So I've just concentrated. Yeah, well, but, yeah. And I think that's, that's a difference. Like I, I work eight hours, but I'll, what I actually get done in those eight hours varies wildly between days, depending on what I need to do and what meetings I have and, and, and what else is going on. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. I, uh, I, I've been having the anxious, I don't work hard enough thing going on lately. Yeah. And which is, you know, a constant feature of my life. Like, like I, I'm taking too many naps and playing too many video games. I, the fact that I just published a book <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and am delivering another one and am now 40,000 words into the sequel to the one I just published and started a novella and yeah it, i i don't work hard enough so the interesting thing is going to be uh after next week yes because i did do one very important thing which is after four months of reminders and uh, shepherd literally getting a calendar app or something yep and adding Every week, send in your ADD paperwork <laughs> and reminding me, I finally sent it in. And I'll be pretty honest, I think the only reason I sent it in is because uh, one of the cats had spilled something on it. And I was like, if I don't send this in, it will become damaged and I will have to redo it. <laughs> and the thought was so wrenching that I I photographed it and emailed it in on the spot. And and yes, this only takes five minutes. Well, you know, the interesting but thing about it is that there is some leeway that a friend has that I don't. Like, I could be reminding you every week, but that rapidly turns into nagging. It it, it does, yes. Yeah. And and I... Uh, Me nagging you is very, very different than Shepard nagging you. Yes. Mostly because Shepard lives not in this house all the time, and yeah. I do. And, and, yeah. And, and there are, there are, you know... Uh, things that your female friends can do that your husband would be advised perhaps not to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Telling you your ass looks fat in those jeans is something I will never, ever do. Yes. She can do it. I can't. Wait, does, does my ass look fat in jeans? No. Okay. You you just reached that example sort of That's no, that's that's like the standard okay. men problem with a spouse. You you're you're not trying to tell me my ass is fat. No. I mean my ass is fat, but I I I'm actually fine with that, you know. Sir Mix yeah. a lot did a lot for my body. I mean. Oh no, no. There's <laughs> yeah, but I, there's there's the old joke that, you know, what are the Kevin two... just heard a psychic shotgun being cocked and he's right. afraid. No, but that's that's just it, right? <laughs> yes. That's that's the noise um most heterosexual male partners of Women in long-term relationships—that's the noise they hear when they when they are asked if these jeans make me look fat. They hear that chick of a pump-action shotgun <laughs> because there is no right answer. That is other why, than they make they they make you look lovely, honey. That is why we have moved to—is this flattering? Right. <laughs> 
because is it flattering is a reflection on the clothing and the cut and not on my ass. Let's face it, folks, I could look at her ass all day, but I'd rather have look at it in something flattering than something not. Well, I'd rather it was flattered as well. Yes. Flattery is good. Anyway, uh, so this show turned a lot more to be about my ass than I expected. Eh. But anyway, um, yes, I got the ADD thing, and I sent it in, and my note said, it has taken me four months to send this. I beg you. For the love of God, have mercy and give me the ADD appointment. And they replied with, your name's not on the form. Can you tell us who you are? (laughs) And I was like, oh, right. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, you forgot to put your name on the form. Well, uh, there were a lot of little numbers I was circling. And and, yeah, so... I sent it in, and and once we established who I was, they were like, yes, okay, we'll put it with your file. And then they're like, okay, at the location you usually go to, you're not getting in until May, but if you're willing to drive into Raleigh, we can get you in next week. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, yes. And they're also like, also, we're out of network. And I'm like, of course you are, but I will lay out the 180 bucks or whatever. They told me up front what all the costs were. They were like, if this is a problem, you know, I, it, we can, but this is how much it costs. And I'm like, that's fine. I can spring that to get a diagnosis. Yes. So. And so we'll see if. If they do anything. If they do anything. It's going to be, I mean, we won't be reporting unless we record next Wednesday. We're not going to be reporting on that for about two weeks. Yes. And any meds I take are going to take longer than that to work. And I am already on an exciting cocktail. So, uh, but but I'm getting the appointment. Yes. And after uh, you, while I was talking to Jadzia, were you talking to JR about her diagnosis? Uh, no, we were sitting in blessed silence because there was no child. Yeah, okay. And then we went outside and we talked about ecology and and plants. Yes, well, and okay. what she's doing for her job. And she was like, oh my God, I'm having a conversation with an adult that is not about children. This is lovely. I, I, will, I will have to play you the interview with JR because it was uh, discussed her. Um, diagnosis and the differences it made for her. Oh, yeah. And, so. and various people have told me how much difference it has made. I had a, a, uh, a friend slash very senior editor at a publishing house who shall remain nameless because, you know, I don't want to give them away on air, basically DM me and be like, getting the diagnosis, you know, really helped me and it is totally worth getting just so that you know it and he was like look i spent a long time as the genius wonder kind who could pull shit out of my ass at the last minute and right. i'm like hey i know that person so yeah and yeah so i i'm interested and the other thing is i mean for all i know i'll go in they'll be like you got it and you've got all your coping mechanisms in place so we're not going to recommend anything and then i'll be like oh it would be nice if there was some kind of drug I could take that would uh, uh, make me a little less flighty. I want a new drug, one that won't make me sick. 
one that'll let me concentrate. I don't think that's how Hugh Lewis in the news. That, that's I can't remember all the lyrics. If no, it no, were... I was I was trying to sing about yeah, you know, I, I know, Riddle or whatever. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. And that there is a concern that, uh, of course, as I am very clear about, I am heavily medicated for anxiety, and a lot of untreated ADD often manifests. As anxiety uncoupled to depression, which is what I have. And so there's an excellent chance that I have been medicating my ADD with anxiety meds. And if I medicate the ADD, I won't need the anxiety meds the same way. But, but you know, so which would be nice. But I we guess. won't know. We, we'll figure it out. We'll figure and it out. Yeah. I am very um, sanguine about... <laughs> uh, trying different meds um i know it's extremely stressful for a lot of people uh and and obviously this is stuff in your head kind of thing i am very fortunate that because i'm self-employed i can once we're done with march basically say i am going to go on a new brain med ergo this next week i am not doing anything like I, I basically schedule sick leave for trying the new med because that's that's kind of nice, yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice that I have that option, but I know it's gonna fuck with me, and if I just build in time, it's much easier. Because a lot fair. of these have a messed up ramp up. Oh, uh, very true. Yeah. Very true. So I'm excited about that. I'm hopeful. Uh, and uh, yeah, and also I have to finish a book that's in true. three weeks. Oh god, it's terrible. It's muddled. It's I'm not spending enough time on anything. It's fine. You'll get there and then there the editor will come in to help you. And then the copy editor will come in and you'll want to end <laughs> their line back to the 10th generation. Okay, that only happens like like I I would I, so I am like maybe ten percent of the time do I need to end the copy editor ninety percent of the time they are lovely uh, invisible souls who sprinkle magic correction dust <laughs> and and then sort of bounce away and well that's exciting everybody chill oh wait sorry I didn't mean to yell in the microphone well, that's fine we warned them. Animals will happen. Um, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we should probably go to the interview. Yeah, so we're going to go talk to Heather now. And like I said, this is a heavy one. And it's a big topic. And I have something like four pages of notes, plus my own personal notes of things to take back to my family to talk about. And we will get to that right after this. Hi, folks. I am here today with Heather and our cursed call. We've had, what, two disconnections, maybe three. I forgot to push record. So this this interview is a lot of effort this, this time, guys. Really is. I meant folks. Sorry, I didn't mean to, you know. Uh, anyway, um, Heather's here to talk about 
how she stays productive. And Heather, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Indeed, I can. <laughs> Hello, Internet. Um, I currently work in security for Intel. Um, just coming off of a bachelor's degree in art. Uh, previous degree in industrial welding, which I taught for a while. Oh, wow. And what I am here to talk about is actually caregiving. Um, this will be the third time in my life that I have been a live-in caregiver. And this time it is going to be end-of-life care. Ooh. So that's going to be kind of a heavy topic. Yeah. Um, you're definitely going to want to trigger warning people for that. TW end of life care. All right, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with a day job, art, and being a caregiver, how do you keep yourself organized and productive? Um there's more systems I've found that don't work. Uh pretty much anything that presumes you have time to fill it out doesn't work. Okay. Um, anything that you have to really spend a lot of time to populate, uh, mm -hmm. bullet journaling does not work for me. Right. I have to have something that is either constantly physically on my body, which mm -hmm. is not possible at work. Right. Or I have to have something that is wireless where I can access it anywhere. Okay. Um, currently what I'm using is a lot of Google's tools. <laughs> I love spreadsheets. Spreadsheets make my world go round. Ooh, a spreadsheet person. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I like Google Keep for its capacity to share information across caregivers. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got four adults that are taking care of two adults. And then Ooh, yeah. a teenager in my household. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a yeah. full house. It's a very full house. Um, all of us work uh mm -hmm. three of us work full-time or more uh one of us works part-time um oh, thank god the two people we're taking care of are actually retired um they're in the mm -hmm. approximately 76 year old age bracket i forget who tips first they're within like four months of each other right okay um mm -hmm. it literally takes all four of us yeah. to try and manage two people's care needs. Um, and one of the things that kind of made me volunteer to, to talk about this mm -hmm. is the fact that over, over the last couple of generations mm -hmm. there's been a spreading of family members. Yeah. Um, when the economy was really, really good, you moved away from home. You had new and interesting adventures. You could afford to do it. And now that the economy's kind of tanked and we're getting back to a pre-1950s family style of multiple generations in one household, because that's what you can afford, yeah, yeah, yeah. condensing again. But there's a gap generation where that elder care wasn't internalized. Yeah. It was outsourced as a government or state function or privately administered by professionals. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that I've talked to in my age bracket that are like, oh my God, how do you do this? I'm working 60 hours a week. I've got kids. I've got no funds. I've got no support. And it's like, well, <laughs> you need more siblings to start yeah. with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who live nearby? When this, well, yeah. When this was a thing, families were traditionally larger than 
the one or two that is fairly normal now. Mm -hmm. So there's rather than spreading the load equally across several people, it's really narrowed down. Yeah. Yeah. And people struggle with that. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of helpful information out there. Aging is something our society doesn't like to look at. No, not Um, really. Diminishing capacity is Mm -hmm. not something that we like to look at. Um, Like gore and horror and, and whatnot is its own thing. But, and then you have to change someone is not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And there's, there's a huge stigma in a lot of ways about talking about it publicly Mm -hmm. um, that I have run into several times. You find a lot of your best resources and a lot of your best support um, in the age bracket ahead of you. Right. Yeah. Because I'm I'm in the mid thirties range, and I find that a lot of the people that really understand what it's like are going to be fifty to seventy. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean I'm I'm kind of staring at the same sort of thing with my parents. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm almost fifty. Uh, yeah. If by almost fifty, we're talking eleven months, and they're in their seventies, and it is something that you know I I have to be aware of, um, mm-hmm. you know, as as they get older. Yeah, and it's and right there with my partner's mm-hmm. fifty two, and having a pretty wide spread of ages. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's closer to my parents' generation than he is to mine. Right. So he's got a lot of these experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, He's actually got some medical background and he's been a huge help just being part of the care team that I don't have to explain this to, that you don't have to unpack all of the baggage that goes with it. Right. Um, Because there's a lot of baggage and Mm -hmm. I will get to that. (laughs) Right. But as far as the actual systems that you're working through and the things Mm -hmm. that you do have to consider um, budget becomes insanely important, particularly if you're trying to run two households simultaneously. Right. It doesn't matter if you're talking chronic care, which was the first couple of rounds, or if you're talking end of life care, mm-hmm. because you need to know exactly what your income is, what their income is, uh, what it's going to pay for, which can you assume? Yep. Um, what services do you need? What do you qualify for? If they're not over that Medicare benchmark, what, if anything, is their insurance going to cover? And how do you learn to fight with the insurance companies to get what you need? Oh, uh, insurance companies. Yeah, it's a dirty word. Yeah. Uh, I was actually extremely lucky in that my experiences with this all happened in the last 15 years where both of my primaries were past that Medicare age. Right. Um, and we found a supplemental insurance for them. Um, Mutual of Omaha plan F look it up. It is exceptionally good at covering whatever Medicare doesn't. And we have tested the limits on this. I will tell you there have been multiple major surgeries. There have been multiple ongoing treatments. Um, mm-hmm. One of my primaries has CIDP chronic inflammatory demyelinizing polyneuropathy. Oof. Yeah. So basically it used to be called rising paralysis for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. 
But the way that you treat that is through a process of infusions that essentially teach your immune system not to eat itself. Yeah. Because your immune system will be attacking the myelin coating on your nerve endings. Right. You just go utterly numb and they cannot you know, generate or receive impulses. Mm-hmm. Um, some people get this and bounce back in two years. Some people get this and have the approximate functionality of a really healthy Lou Gehrig's patient. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Um, ours did not bounce back. Mm. So there's been 10 plus years of really altered mobility mm-hmm. um, and of really altered capability. So that was the first round. <laughs> and that's where you hit chronic care. Right. Because this is something that's not going to go away. And it's not something that there's a magic pill for or a surgery for. Um, you have to work within that capacity to see what can and cannot be done in house. There right. were things that she could do for herself during her recovery process and things she really couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, my second round was mm. after the strokes. Oh, strokes. God. What? Yeah. Yeah. So now you're dealing with a constrained physical capacity mm-hmm. and you're dealing with a constrained mental and cognitive capacity. Right. Fast forward to end of life care where you're talking about all of those things in conjunction with uh, low energy, um, significantly reduced capacity to focus, uh, temporal dislocation, and something that mimics the, the feeling of early onset dementia, but it isn't. But it, it has that same feeling of someone kind of slipping away. Mm-hmm. And you wind up with somebody that spends most of their time asleep. Um, oh. Or spaced out in front of the television watching Judge Judy, which I'm probably not going to judge on the air, but. No. Oh. <laughs> hey. Yes. There, there, there comes a point where, uh, what was it? I think it was, it was Ursula's dad who was like, look, just send me to the home and plug me in with like. Yeah. Call Call of Duty or Red Alert. Just, you know, I'll be fine. And that comes back around to budgeting. Yep. Can you afford to go to a home? Right. Right, right, right. If you're talking about a multiple generation dwelling that your intent is to leave to your descendants Mm -hmm. and that's your housing, what do you do about that? How do you balance the fact that you would have to sell the place to finance a home. Right. Against the fact that that puts six people out of a home. On the street, yeah. Yeah. And that includes your caregiving staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that is a really horrible thing to have to sit there and be actuarial about. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yourself, you know, am I putting my housing needs ahead of their care needs? You know, how, how do you balance that? How do you... How do you sleep at night? Yeah, right. It's a lot easier to be offsite mm-hmm. for care uh, because you don't have that consideration. And in another way, especially if you have really stubborn family members, mm-hmm. you will not find out that anything is wrong unless you're here 24 seven. Yeah. And you have to check in constantly. I, I am familiar with that problem, not from personal experience, but from the experience of, of friends who have had, you know, um, yeah. 
Well, okay, the occasional personal experience, like the phone call, oh, by the way, your dad's going in for surgery next week for such and such. What? You know, or uh, right. uh, just so you know, I'm going in and having my thigh right out tomorrow. What? Um, thanks, yeah. Mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, finding out because Grandpa needs a ride that he has to go in and have his fistula redone. Yeah. Um, because he's a stage four dialysis patient. Ugh. Yeah, just uh, little things, yeah. Um, guys, mm-hmm. that's, it may not be major surgery. I mean, not compared to some of the other things that you've been through, but could you have given me like a week's warning instead of, by the way, I need you to drive me to this tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know. Yeah. Everybody has to balance their schedules around this too. That's been one of the hardest parts is mm-hmm. that, and this is a blanket statement that may not prove true, experience has been that my ancestors are a lot like cats mm-hmm. the time you find out that they're sick they're nearly dead oh yeah okay i i am not exaggerating when i tell people that grandpa's been nearly dead or possibly completely dead like three or four times and he just got bored with it eh. um he was at one point paralyzed from the neck down and decided that that wasn't going to suit his lifestyle so literally got over it there was a lot of of treatment and surgery and, and rehab, but yeah. It's just, okay. You're literally on the table. We get the phone call in the middle of the night. We took you in for freaking pneumonia. Cause you cracked your ribs mm-hmm. and we get the phone call and it's like, there's a massive staph infection and your spinal cord is swelling. And if we don't cut now you're dead. So that was the first time he was nearly dead. Yeah. And he comes out of the surgery and there was so much pressure and so much trauma on the spinal cord right at the back of the neck. Of oh course. yeah that he's, he's literally like, he's from the nose down and that's all mm-hmm. there is. Oh, and then eight months later, he's walking and he's just like, I had things to do and uh, move over iron man, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say never, never argue with an octogenarian who has things to do. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, amazing person. Um, mm-hmm lead electrician for 20 years at the local lumber mill. He was their machinist before that self-taught. Um, he designed a ton of their moving systems and parts and a, a completely enclosed gearbox that took their maintenance requirements down from servicing it once a month to servicing it once a year. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. And he, his brain is insanely complex and it's a fabulous place to dwell. And he doesn't remember to change his socks. No, I, I, I understand that completely, honestly. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um, there, there are times that you step back from where you currently are and mm-hmm. you think to yourself, how is my life shucking someone like an oyster because <laughs> their clothing has hardened around them like a calciferous shell? Because and then they forgot to, to clo- change. Pretty much. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, I need those before they can't fold enough to get in the washer. Or before they decide to get up and leave. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much for, for abuses that are inappropriate to pants. Um, mm. On that tangential note. On that, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, spreadsheets, <laughs> key, keep, and Google apps. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of post-it notes. Um, post-it, yeah. I am working on getting our documentation scanned. Ah. Um, other things that come along with chronic issues 
Mm-hmm. Particularly if your organizer is the one who goes down the hardest. Right. Um, is that the record keeping falters badly. Mm-hmm. And I have spent the last year and some change kind of going through each room in the house, weeding it out because there's been about a decade's worth of somebody that once it leaves their hand, it leaves their mind. Familiar. Yeah. And once you hit a point like that, it's like, okay, this is not just a tripping hazard. This is a fire hazard. Mm -hmm. Also, I can't find last month's power bill. Right. How do I pay it if I have no idea what I'm paying? Um, so going through and sorting that out and then as much of the back stuff as you possibly can, mm-hmm. scan it, digitize it, have it available to you. Right. Because at some point during this transfer of responsibilities and this transfer of accountabilities, you are going to need all of those records to prove to someone that you're not scamming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's a big problem. It really is. Mm -hmm. It really is. And with the best will in the world, your relatives are probably not going to throw you under the bus. However, when they get to a point where they can't remember what bus they're on, you have to cover your own ass because the state doesn't know you. Right. And I've, I've been working with the same people in our department of aging Mm -hmm. for 15 years. They do know me. Right. Um, I built up some serious street cred with them. We've done, Medicaid applications four times now. Mm-hmm. And there's always been some reason that it didn't go through or that we wound up not needing it, which was an unexpected grace. But once you've gone through it that many times with that many people, it's like, I've got all of this stuff in a box that never leaves my site. I've got all of the important documents and it took six months to run them all down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But once you get to this point, you have to have titles for all the vehicles, you have to have birth certificates, social security cards, everything that you would keep for yourself, locate mm-hmm. and cure for your primary patients. I'm taking notes on this very, very specifically right now. Uh-huh. Like, cause yeah. Um, uh-huh. yeah. Going to make some phone calls when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Tap me later. I've got a whole book. Um, <laughs> Also, just know what the services in your area are. Contact your Department of Aging Services before you need them. Mm -hmm. Um, Develop a rapport with these people because if you have to do the Medicaid route, it is complex and it's a pain in the butt. And there's so much documentation that you're going to have to provide them. All of the sources of income have to be documented. Right. Um, Like when you take over doing our taxes, which was my interesting experience this year. And you're dealing with somebody that's got a pension and social security and um, medical withholding and then medical deductions. Right. Blissfully, we've got a tax preparer, preparer that my family has used for three generations now. And I just went in and made sad face and was like, call me if I've missed anything because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And you obviously do. And I've reached a point in my life where I pay people to know things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to download some of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't download some of it. You mean you offload? Will. Yeah. Yeah. Offload, download. Basically, don't keep it all in your head. Right. <laughs> you cannot hold all of the information you need for your life, for your partner's life, for your teenager's life, for your your grandparents' life. It's too 
much. You will rupture. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that kind of brings me full circle back to both services mm-hmm. and the things people don't talk about about this. There are caregiver support groups. They're kind of like AA. Mm-hmm. You show up and you go, hi, my name is fill in the blank. I'm a caregiver. And I think I scrubbed all of the poo out of my hair today. And it just depends on what your personal <laughs> situation is. But sorry. <laughs> it's a thing that happens. Uh, yeah, no. Once you become involved in the really physical aspect of personal care, um, it's a lot like being a vet in some ways because you've got what amounts to a very large animal that is partially anesthetized that you are responsible for cleaning and maintaining. And when you, when you look at just the mechanics of the human body, there's not that much difference between us and a horse. Mm, uh, yeah, true. And I mean, I've done the parenting thing twice, mm-hmm. so I understand. It's just, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't th- you think there's a point where you don't have to deal with it anymore. And Oh, by the way, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty and if you've raised your children well, then someday they will have to deal with it a couple of times. And that's one of the things that you do have to take into account for this is that mm-hmm. the people that you are now showering bathed you. Yeah. And it does come full circle. And if you're lucky, you had a really tight family and a really <sighs> interwoven family life so that you know what their preferences are. You know what their what soap they use, mm-hmm. what what they're allergic to, what they're not allergic to, how they fold their towels. Like you can kind of insert yourself in the stream of their consciousness without interrupting it too much. Right. Um, you didn't have that opportunity or if you had a pretty spread out family or just a very private family, you may not know these things. And there's going to be a lot of things that you have to figure out the hard way. Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even if you do know them pretty well, um, there was a big gap in between the second and the third time that I've been a caregiver in which I spent five years in college and I got a divorce and I had a billion jobs because that's, it's kind of a chaotic point in your life. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. then you come back to this and you've been so focused on this other thing and they have not only changed, but they've contracted one of the things that you have to look for when you start picking up some of these pieces is how tight their circle has become. Um, do they leave the house? Yeah. Do they go out with friends? Do they have interests? Do they have hobbies? Are they doing anything for their own entertainment or enrichment? Right. And when that stops happening, it's a good idea to pay a lot more attention to whether or not they are contracting because all the energy they have is going to basic needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a family of hermits. Uh, we would get together more, but hermits don't do that. Right. So the fact that we do actually live on a single piece of property um, has really helped with their social interaction mm-hmm. um, because we do family dinners. I have kind of been drafted into the vacuum of... Head which I never expected. Um, because that's, that's another one of these things when you're talking about families and what happens with the passing of a generation mm-hmm. is that there's usually one person in the family that 
that sets the drumbeat. Right. That frames your context. And for us, that was always grandma. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that our family understood is that the whole point of grandma is that you disagree with her. Oh, dear God. (laughs) (laughs) She was an, was, oh God, Mm. it creeps in. Right. Because the person that you're dealing with now is not the person that they were then. Right. Post-stroke, post post-cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. you're dealing with a completely different person. Um, you lose a lot of, of the things that you had either for or against that person. Right. Once right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hit the mute button, yell at the hound. So I don't blow the listeners ears off. Does not seem to be helping. There's nobody in the, doesn't matter. I don't know who they're, who they're barking at. It's just, you know, Oh my God. <sighs> my partner and I work swing, mm-hmm. so the teenager goes to bed with dogs with her. We've got Boston's. Right. And the old lady is about 13. And she's very sedate and portly and cannot be bothered to be a watchdog. And the puppy's coming up on three, and every time you walk in the door, she will come boinging at you with more enthusiasm than common sense and roo. She doesn't bark. She doesn't bay. She she makes this weird grunty roo 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 noise, and it wakes everybody up. Right, yeah. and it's inevitable. No oh. idea. And sometimes she will do it just because her butt exists. Yeah, let me go find out what they're losing their mind over because it may actually be something to to worry about. Stranger, there's a stranger out front. Oh, it's a stranger. It's our. It's a stranger. It's a stranger. Oh my god. My mother has a bloodhound. Mm. Feel your pain. Yeah. There's nothing quite like a dog that is 90% nose and 2% brain. That would be our beagle. That was our beagle. <sighs> Fair. Mm. Well, I mean, by the time he was finished, Lich Beagle was doing a pretty damn good thing to breathe. Well, by the time he was done, Lich Beagle, uh, we were, we're kind of of the opinion that he might have actually just kept going and possibly had been dead a while and just ran out of juice at some point between the cancer and the rest of it. It was just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 He was, uh, I can't honestly remember a time when we didn't have dogs. It would be a horrible life. Um, there was a time when I didn't have dogs and it was okay. Um, we're sort of at a balance point right now because it's like, we want to have more chickens. I want to have more chickens, but the best place for it is the backyard where the dogs go and the dogs are chicken killers. It is difficult to teach them not to be. Yeah. And so there may be a point when there are no dogs and get some chickens established. And then we might think about it with a dog we could train. I don't think we can train these or electric fencing. Yeah. Yeah. That too. I mean, we can train them. It's just, it's uh, a, a lot of risk <laughs> for the reward on that. You go through a lot of chickens if they whoops. Yeah. Yeah. And it do. really only takes one before it's not a winning proposition. Correct. Well, no, all it takes is one, and then uh, all the training's done. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about the transitional roles of head of families before the dogs went nuts. Ah, well, it was their transitional role as woo. Exactly. Yeah. 
So yeah, um, um, trying to figure out. I mean, I I'm kind of lucky in this respect in mm-hmm. that I remember my great grandmother. She she persisted until I was about twelve. Uh, much to her sorrow, she outlived her husband by about forty five years and was deeply deeply unhappy about the fact. Yeah. And really kind of calcified in on herself as, as the stereotypical bitter old woman. Mm-hmm. I got to see her end of life care. Right. And how my family treated that and how she really hadn't been the person that, that set the beat for a while, mm-hmm. but she was very much responsible for the contra tempo. Um, gotcha. And, oh Lord, there's just a pile of receipts over here. Everything is falling. Surprise! Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so having that experience mm-hmm. kind of of prime me for this one, and it's this is definitely not something that anybody wants to do. Right, right, right. I'm just right. going to be totally honest with this. Um, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing amount of stress. You wind up having to give up a lot of job opportunities, a lot of personal opportunities that you would otherwise capitalize on mm-hmm. in a lot personal time. Um, I'm a person who recharges with solitude. And suddenly and I, that's at a premium. Yeah. There's five of us crammed in a pretty small amount of living space. Mm-hmm. All things considered. Um, so there's pretty much always someone somewhere. I threw a, a greenhouse kit together <laughs> um, last year and I spend a certain amount of time sitting with my plants. Yeah. Because they don't sass me and I don't have to check and see if they've had their medication. That's, yeah, um, no, that's fair. But, you know, that's that's a thing. I actually just was gifted an office space that, um, due to the fact that it's not plumbed into the central heating mm-hmm. and it has steps to get to it, it was an unusable space. Oh. Part of the house that I had been cleaning just because what is the point of, of living in a house where there are certain rooms that are packed to the ceiling mm-hmm. that are unused space? Yeah, you haven't seen the contents of those boxes in generations of mice. Why keep them? Right. So dealing with that, and is- sometimes that's a discovery process. Sometimes you find treasures, and sometimes you find out that uh, you know your great grandparent who lived through the depression kept all the plastic bags and washed them. Uh, well, this isn't quite the twisted ones, but it's close. Yeah, no, that was an actual experience. Um, yes, yeah. my grandmother used to save and wash tinfoil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Luckily, her capacity to do that had diminished by the time I had to clean it. Yeah. We will not talk about the state of their kitchen because I do most of the cooking mm-hmm. elsewhere. Elsewhere. Ah, I see. Yes. Otherwise, it would be a significant and persistent risk of salmonella mm-hmm. because both of them did grow up in uh, post-depression, um, Second World War era. Mm-hmm. They were born in, in 42, respectively. Yeah. And grandpa that does the bulk of the household things now, mm-hmm. this brilliantly wonderful, intelligent person, has skills that lie in another direction. Well, and and there was, because of the strong typing of gender roles, it wasn't something that was expected or that was, was learned. I think my grandfather, who started doing the majority of the cooking and cleaning when he retired was an outlier. Yeah. You know, um, uh, when grandma was no longer able to, and grandpa was picking up the slack and we were mm -hmm. 
we were teaching him, mom and I, how to actually run a household. And he was just dumbfounded by the sheer amount of things you have to hold in your head. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until then that we realized that our version of ADD came from him. Okay. Where issues with executive functioning came Mm -hmm. from him. Because the concept of cleaning an entire house is so big that he had to go sit down and metaphorically have a brandy before he could even think about cleaning off the kitchen counter. Right. Right, right, right. And it took it took quite a while to get some systems in place for him to cope with that. Um and even even to this day, if you want a brilliant record keeping system mm-hmm. for um my grandmother's diabetic. Right. Because of course all of these things would show up at approximately the same time. So they all stack. Oh yeah. Because why wouldn't they? Um, but his, his main focus on that was record keeping. So mm. he made this logbook, and it's got spots for uh, blood sugar, what day it is, what time of day, all these things. There's actually somebody at the door this time. I just watched them drive up. Yeah. <sighs> it happens. Yeah. The UPS man is greeted by a carol of dogs. We've got um, Norwegian forest cats that are our mousers. Mm. These giant fluff beasts. And the rooster and, and his lady. Both Hard roosters. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you, you've got to be kidding me. There's a representative from at least three portions of the animal kingdom mobbing one person with a package. That poor guy. Yeah. <sighs> seems to be into it and the rooster only attacks people he knows oh well small favor there right uh yeah yeah i've got a leaf rake that's got a really widespread edged um scoop Mm -hmm. that i keep him up with under the the breast muscles (laughs) and because he can fly he occasionally gets hucked off the hillside gently yeah Yeah, nice gliding land but it's a very non-confrontational way of just totally reorienting his oodle. Every everybody who has a rooster has some sort of rooster relocation device. Yeah, pretty much. It's either that, or you get hacked to death. And my shins were getting sick of dealing with his ego. Yeah, oh, I think I know um, what that is. I'll be right back. Here we go again. <laughs> and you can hear Shepherd's dog Beamer in the da- distance. Uh, okay. Have an actual sheep in your back room? No, we've been trying. We, we we're discouraging that. Yeah, I'm drawing a line at a recreational goat. My partner and my mother are like, but we need one. They're tiny and they're cute, and it's like, <laughs> no, no, no ruminants, no ruminants, no, no, none in the house. I already live with piggies. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we don't actually have pigs. It's just. When you have a household where um, I'm I'm ADD. I thought you said geese. ADHD. Yeah. And the teenager is ADHD and there's all of this other stuff going on. It's like cleaning is a function that I'm actually attempting to outsource at this point. Mm-hmm. I've been doing cleaning agencies. Right. But we are rural enough that I'm having trouble finding one that actually services our area. Yeah. Because yeah. I really don't want to go with the first quote available. Um so kind of circling back around mm-hmm. to the main point of this, um, whatever you can't fix, automate. Yep. 
um, if you can budget for it. And between, between the two households, we do have a reasonable amount of income. Mm -hmm. It's just that there are also a more than reasonable amount of drains on that income. Right. Um, so recently we've combined garbage services. Mm -hmm. I've got grandpa's cell phone on my plan Mm -hmm. so that, um, as happened back in October, he had an episode of syncope, which is basically where you don't have enough blood volume in your body to maintain blood pressure. So your body goes, I know what'll fix this horizontality and you pass out. Yeah. And he happened to be in Walgreens at the time. Mm-hmm. And he assaulted their floor with his face rather violently and broke his nose rather violently and bled everywhere and freaked them out because we've been using the same pharmacy for long enough that they know us there. Right. And he was actually afraid that he made the very heavily pregnant pharmacy assistant go into labor because she had to go sit down and pant for a little bit because he really scared her. Turns out that was not the case. Understandable. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He got hauled off to the hospital and he didn't have his cell phone on him and couldn't remember our numbers. Problem. So we were just um, sans one grandfather for about five and a half hours before we started calling hospitals to track him down. This does not contribute to your Zen. No. At all. No. So once we realized that we had gotten to that point, we Mm -hmm. chipped him. (laughs) Literally or figuratively? Uh, literally I now, he goes everywhere with his, with his phone and I've got the find a friend and find my iPhone turned on Okay. that and one in his wallet and one on the car keys for the lift van. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have metal dog tags Okay. with all of his ice numbers on them. So ice is in case of emergency, right? This is very important. If you have ancestors that have wandering privileges, where they're unattended, um, put your information on them somewhere. When it comes to an emergency, when it comes to altered capacity, someone in the chain of medicine needs to know who to call. Yes. It is drastically important because I have their pulses. Mm-hmm. I have their, um, uh, bah, 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 word brain has failed me. It's the document that tells the hospital ah, advanced directives. Right. Um, it, it basically says, this is what I want you to do and not do in, in case of vegetation, in case mm-hmm. of incapacity, please follow these directives for my care. Right. Um, that is in lieu of at this point, a uh, power of attorney. Mm-hmm. So here's the fun thing when it comes to this, have, a current pulse on file with your doctor. Right. Um, develop a brand preference in hospitals, if at all possible, because there are hospitals that specialize in general and triage care. And there are hospitals that specialize in what the shit do you have? Yes. We need the second variety. Mm-hmm. We have received perfectly adequate general care at the first variety. And still had to go to the second variety because they simply didn't have the specialists on staff to figure out what kind of creeping plague do you have today? Because my ancestors specialize in like less than 2% of the population has this problem. Oh, look, it's you. So just bet on, mm-hmm. on the word every time. 
Yeah. Um, once you have a brand preference in hospitals, um, make sure that you have registered all of this information with them. A current copy of the post, a current copy of the advanced directive, make sure that your ancestors have given their specialists and their general care team HIPAA permission to speak to you. Yes, because if they don't have the permission, even if you're a uh -huh. person in the even family, they will not talk to you. Exactly. So I've had to run a lot of things through mom because the last time that I did this mm -hmm. was the bullet 10 years ago. So we've been having to go through and redo a lot of this. Uh, we're coming up on a pretty extensive spinal surgery with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. um, just due to various and sundry decay. Mm -hmm. um, he's got five areas of occlusion in his lower spine. So he's losing feeling in his legs. Um, yeah. There's some, some pretty intense associated limitations with that. And he's mm -hmm. bored with them. So we're fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> No, but this happens. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Hardcore. Once you've gotten all of those things registered, mm -hmm. speak to your ancestors about the difference between a medical versus a legal power of attorney. A medical power of attorney kicks in when they are medically incapacitated. A legal power of attorney is persistent. Yes. That is a very important designation if they are concerned about giving up their independence. Uh, fortunately, uh, my mother is a nurse, was a nurse before she retired. So she's very familiar with this. Um, her sister, uh, who used to live in Pennsylvania, very far away from us, and and her brother-in-law were the primary caregivers, so at least mm -hmm. I don't have to have that discussion with mom and dad right. because they're already very familiar with it, right? We have several very pointed family discussions about, okay, if you don't help us help you, mm -hmm. everyone is going to go gently insane and slide into the void and, you know, Thulu is going to be delivering your meals, which... Arms than I do. I'm sure yeah. you would probably be a better. Player. In theory, it's a very difficult thing yeah. to have to tell your ancestors. By the way, you're dying, mm -hmm. and I need you to make that easy on all of us because there's a good death and there's a bad death, and the bad one is where no one knows that you're getting to that point, mm -hmm. and you then expire in a pool of your own problems with 17 cats and you lose the house because no one paid the mortgage for six months. Right. And the goal is to avoid those circumstances where it is planned neglect. They don't <laughs> want your intervention. Right. So you plan to prevent it. Um, and having to have this conversation with the department of aging, because uh, when grandpa was in rehab, for the paralysis the first time we were looking at doing Medicaid mm -hmm. and you have to be very frank with the state officials about what you can and can't do and what they are and are not willing to let you do. And a phrase that will come up a lot is self neglect where they don't want to be taken care of, but they are no longer capable of attending to all their basic needs. Right. 
And it's something that when you think self-care, you think, okay, building a space in my life, meditating, taking care of myself, you don't necessarily run that to its end conclusion where self-care is literally, have I eaten today? Yes. Have I been arsed to actually go to the bathroom in the bathroom today? Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and perform even the most basic necessities of life. Um, did someone pay the mortgage? Like one of the reasons that we've started to combine the bills is, is that after that episode of syncope, he can't drive. Oh, yeah. So all of his systems have undergone a radical change where um, my partner and I and my mother are his main methods of transportation. We've, we've kind of got it set up on a road of where we get him to dialysis and we take him shopping. Mm-hmm. But he likes to pay everything in person by check. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So trying to do that on his end of things led to a couple of bills getting neglected. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, the garbage service got shut off. And in a household where you were talking extensive care needs, the one thing that you need is your trash table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm you will produce a great deal of it. If you are eco-conscious in any way, shape or form, you're going to have to get over that. You still produce it. Oh my word. Yeah, um, it, You can be as eco-conscious as you want. You are still going to produce garbage that needs to be hauled away. Yes. And the medical industry is not easy on your garbage production. For reason, for, for good reason, I think, but yes, yeah. everything is single use, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of circles back around into budgeting and care supplies. So when you have a chronic condition, there are things that you are going to need cases of. Oh yeah. Find the medical warehouses online and purchase in bulk when your taxes come in. Because you will have a surplus of income that you will not have the rest of the year when it's fixed. I suppose that depends on a household. I didn't think, at least in our household, we've actually seen a refund in a while. But there's, there's a difference between freelancing and yeah. other forms of, of employment. Usually, fingers crossed, um, we get a reasonable return, mm-hmm. which allows for heating oil to be purchased, right. which allows for bulk medical supplies to be purchased. Mm-hmm. Whenever, um, whatever the insurance isn't going to cover such right. as equipment supplies, um, gauze pads, medicated lotions. It's things are- yeah. It's uh, I had a neighbor. I had a neighbor uh, in my last house who was in construction and it's, it's very similar. I think in, in rural areas, especially along farms, uh, which is he would get the job and he would need equipment. So he would mortgage his house. And he would take that large amount of money and he would get what he needed to pay his crew and the equipment he needed. He would do the job. He would complete it. He would take the money. He would pay off the house. And then he had all of the rest of the money he needed. I think it was, um, uh, you know, with, with farms, 
prior to the, you know, industrial farming that we do now, it was, there was, I believe a lot of, you know, you're in hawk to buy your seed, you're in hawk to buy your feed. And then when the harvest comes around and you sell everything, you go, you pay everybody else and you've got the stuff you need to, to do that. We, I think we might have shifted that to be our tax returns when we get our money back for our taxes. Yeah. You very know? much so. It's, it's mm-hmm. what, 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 tiny orange. <laughs> please excuse yeah. the cat. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I've very nearly had a small dog grown from on my lap that I passed. No, do not love the microphone, dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, basically plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not, even if you are dealing with an end of life care, mm-hmm. there are so many places that if you happen to not need these supplies partway through the year, desperately do. Yeah. So it's never going to be wasted. No. Um, even even if you're planning for that eventual terminus date, mm-hmm. which you have a little bit of warning on. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, something to consider when a lot of these uh, self-care systems fail is that you're going to be doing a lot of cooking mm-hmm. for multiple people with differing diets. So as mentioned, one of them's diabetic and the other one is a kidney renal failure patient. You have to be really careful about carb load, yeah, and phosphorus, and that is going to drastically change how you cook because you're not going to have the emotional energy to cook two separate meals. Right. Um, crock pots become your friends. Mm-hmm. Label rating becomes your friends. Yep. Um, there's an app. Oh, where's my phone? There's a really cool app that lets you scan food labels. It's oddly enough called Food Scanner. And it will tell you what the additives are. Ooh. It will tell you whether or not they are um, ranked green, yellow, or red. Mm-hmm. Um, and it links directly to Wikipedia for a definition of what that is and how it's used. Oh, nice. So if you've got people like, Hey, uh, all of a sudden my blood sugar is spiking. Like, well, okay. What did we put in you? Yeah. Change the formulation on that. Did they go through and, um, add something, subtract something? Um, my, my super tight girlfriend that I've (laughs) love this woman. She has come and scraped things off of walls with me. Your friends will save your life. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But she's allergic to everything. And we just recently figured out that one of her favorite things, mac and cheese, is only a problem if it has a large amount of cheddar in it. Because pre-grated cheddar has an anti-caking agent in with the shreds. So, so even so... If you make it with fresh cheese, but you get it pre-grated, it's got this thing in it that, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Lovely. Just if lovely. grated cheese, or mm-hmm. if we go out to a restaurant or whatnot, and they have purchased pre-grated cheddar, good cheddar, bad cheddar, doesn't matter. But they are attempting to get their, their line time down, and they've used the shortcut. That particular thing will cause intense gastric distress. Yeah. How do you know that if you don't, if you're not a foodie? Uh, yeah. Um, um, 
you don't yeah. have time to research this, which you might not. So automate what you can't fix. Right. That is that is a huge thing. Um, appended to that, there's a really amazing thing that just hit the market that is called Safe Wander. Okay. In the world of medical supplies, mm-hmm. a patient alarm mm-hmm. is almost universally a pressure-sensitive mat, either right. underneath the patient or next to the bed, and it has a pager-style alert, and you're tied to about a 30-foot radius. Right. This is the first product on the market that is Wi-Fi enabled that will call your cell phone if your mm-hmm. patient flexes upright beyond a certain percentage. Oh. It's a little tiny pin mm-hmm. that measures the flexion rate of your torso. So if they get up and wander around and shouldn't, you know. Pair that with a webcam. Mm-hmm. And you know for sure if you need to stop working outside and go check, if you had to run the town and they are competent to be left on their own, but you Mm -hmm. really need to know if something's happening because they can't remember how a cell phone works, but they can take themselves to the bathroom. Right. But fall risk. Mm -hmm. If you can start pairing technological babysitters to an extent, um, you're going to make your life a lot easier in, in large part, uh, the medical industry and the caregiving industry still runs on manpower. Yes. A lot of it is not automated. Um, when you're looking at medical technology, there's some amazing things. There's also a shit ton of it. Mm-hmm. This is from the dark ages, technologically speaking. Oh yeah. No. Um, I, I'm always astounded. I worked for a company. We made a uh, location application that was able to find a piece of equipment anywhere in the hospital within a couple feet uh, or less. And there was a switch on it so that when it was dirty and ready to be cleaned, you just they would just flip the switch and take it. But you'd always know where it was. So you could find out if something was on the wrong floor or in the wrong place or any of that stuff, um, which is huge. Somebody still has to wash it. And you can't automate some of that. And somebody has to um, paralyze it and physically move it at times, you know? Um, So, and that, that still requires people because it doesn't have deliveries. And I think I have to let Ernie out now. Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) Uh, It's a, it's a rough dog day. We'll be, I'll I'll be right back. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they wanted to go out to, uh, to, to sniff everything while Ursula's out back gardening and Shepard's out there having a cigarette. And, uh, and it's just like, okay, we're having a high, a high maintenance dog day, which happens. Very familiar with that kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the anti, the anti dog fart, some of the anti dog fart supplies came in, uh, which, uh, yeah. Um, sandalwood incense imported from China, mostly (laughs) some coils imported from Japan because it's, so much higher quality than the crap you get at like the drugstore or the grocery store or whatever, mm-hmm. which also we're going to have to be aware of because that's an allergy risk. Like we've got a friend who comes stay with us and she can't, it, it will, it, it will trigger her asthma. Right. 
So, and that's something, I think that's sort of the lifestyle change that you have to worry about as well, is there are things that you're used to doing that you can't do anymore because you're a caregiver. Very much so. Um, yeah. it, it changes your entire life. And to kind of segue into mm -hmm. a little bit of the personal cost to this. Right. Um, exhausted. Mm-hmm. You push to your ragged edge and all of the family dynamics that come with having a history with people, all of the good things and all of the bad things are still there. Mm -hmm. And now you are encountering those people on some of the worst days of their lives. Right. Um, on some of their most strung out resourceless moments. And they will say horrible things. Mm -hmm. They will promise you things and then go back on it. They will, they will do whatever it takes to stop hurting. Right. And to survive the situation they're in. And that's painting a really bleak picture, which it's not intended to, but it's, it is the reality of it that when you encounter people on those worst days, they're not the fully functional people you knew. They are primed to survive something horrible. Yeah. Um, something traumatic. The, the thing that kicked off my grandfather's issues. Um, he was a very hale and hearty, freshly retired individual of like 67. And he was up on the carport roof resheathing it. And slipped and fell. And someone who was perfectly healthy the day before lost all of that in the span of about 20 minutes. Um, and that, that was a life flight trip. Mm -hmm. he, <laughs> that was a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was some serious trauma there and that kind of kicked off this whole thing. And he picked up a staph infection. Mm -hmm. He was in the hospital, one of the supercharged ones and it took out his kidney. So yeah. through no his own, through no genetic predisposition of his own, this has happened. And he's a very calm, competent, cheerful individual that had some really bad days. And you have to curl up and lick your wounds mm -hmm. from time to time. Yeah. Because it's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. You're you're watching people that you care about go through awful things. You are coming alongside the fact that there are diminishing generations between you and this situation. So oh, yeah. It is definitely a confrontation of your own mortality. Um, aside from having to accept the fact that you are relinquishing your ancestors. Mm -hmm. Um. And you have to practice a lot of tolerance and compassion. That's those, those are my personal watchwords. Um, do not tolerate bad behavior, but be tolerant of people's limitations in much the same way that you would correct a developing child because they are learning to deal with the situation and the environment that they're in. Right you need to apply that same method people that are recovering from a trauma that are encountering new limitations in their life, 
because it is their first experience with this situation and they're inside it and they're very affected by it. And even if they, they saw it from the outside before, it's not something that internalizes the same way. Exactly. Um, case in point, Mm -hmm. I have personally been in the hospital up until, Oh, crud. 32, 33. Okay. Um, the year that I was getting a divorce, mm-hmm. um, I wound up in the ER for extreme um, abdominal pain. Turns out I inherited my great grandmother's diverticulitis mm. and it had um, gotten very, very bad. Um, I wound up in hospital for several days and at one point, they were literally attempting to steal my colon. Um, I managed to retain it, thank God, because I'm very attached to my internal organs. Oh, yeah. Strangely enough, but being in that bed, mm-hmm. um, I react very poorly to opioids. So I did not want the pain meds. Yeah. <laughs> hurt. Hurt like a mother. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't like needles. I'm, I'm very, very badly disposed toward needles, but they had to run an IV <laughs> <laughs> and the staff they gave me was on the blink. Mm. So every time I moved, it alarmed. So I'm laying there in the bed. Um, I feel like there's an elephant blanketing my body and there's fire ants under my skin and I'm loopy as hell. And this thing won't quit screaming. And I'm finally just laying there, just just leaking. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to be your best self in that situation. Exactly. And while I certainly don't advocate arranging this situation for yourself, it is amazingly instructive mm-hmm. who you become when you are at the end of yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot become a kinder person through that, um, maybe you need to do a little work. Quite possibly. Yeah. It is going to make your life a lot more difficult if you cannot develop a reservoir of kindness to deal with those, those moments in yourself and in others. Mm -hmm. But you're also going to hit several points of total burnout. Oh yeah. Um, this year alone, I have had four jobs in 2019. I realize we're in 2020 now. Well, yeah, but at the place that I was working closed. Um, I was working for my college mm-hmm. when they down, and that's a huge emotional burden. Yeah, everyone is mourning this establishment that's you know 100 years plus. We were at 114 years. And just could not continue. And then you're stuck on unemployment. And then, you know, unemployment's like, well, you got this job offer and we're tired of of hearing from you. So I wound up cleaning houses. Yeah. And then I wound up doing random, random and sundry other things and then kind of fell into security, which it's worked out. It's definitely not my ideal career, but it's stable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It counts for a lot. Um, and of course it doesn't help that there is, if you will pardon this, there's an inherent sexism in the, in the system where they would certainly not say to a man, well, we have a house cleaning job. You should take that. 
yeah, most of the staff at that in, at that job was female, mm-hmm. and that was its own self-selecting environment that could be less than pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is hard physical labor. Oh yeah, and a lot of the by no means all, but a large chunk mm-hmm. of the people that can afford to hire you are less than pleasant. Yeah. Um, when it comes to their treatment of staff and something that I have encountered both in the medical field in pretty much every service industry is that you are going to encounter people that do not understand the difference between in service and a servant. Yes. That's, that's hugely important. Um, I find it less in medicine when you say I am their medical advocate, I am their caregiver. Mm-hmm. If you say I'm the next of kin, there is a tendency for them to pat you on the head right? and go sit over here in the corner. And it's like, no, um, <laughs> we've actually been taking physical notes from stop to stop. Like we came in at the ER, this was their blood pressure. This was their heart rate. This was their oxygen level. So carry a notebook with you, write this shit down. Um, when you hit the ER and they take the vitals, write it down, write down cliff notes for whatever the admitting nurses and doctors say, because when you get transferred to the next floor, whole new staff. If you have that information, time and date stamped, mm-hmm. right? You, you will expedite um, getting pain meds to your patient. You will expedite getting care to your patient. Uh, carry a clipboard and look like you know what you're doing and you can storm any institution. <laughs> it works. <laughs> it really works. Still. Also, Find the nearest cafeteria and suss out whether or not their coffee is worth your time and trouble. Because you're going to be spending a lot of time there. Yeah. It's it's just inevitable. But hospital coffee is its own punishment. I'm familiar. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm sure mm-hmm. that I'm forgetting things, but this is kind of this is how my brain works now. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot more than there used to be. So I think we can just skip the third question because I'm pretty sure you just covered it all. Uh, possibly. Yeah. Systems and yeah. habits that you find yeah. valuable. Yeah. Write it down, carry a notebook. Cause as long as you've got that and look like, you know what you're doing, you can do anything in these institutions. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Save up your panic for later. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I like to pre panic. If I can, if I have the opportunity. Generally, by the time I realize I should have pre-panicked, I'm in the middle of a triage situation. So I post-panic, but I do it very, very succinctly. Um, yes. my, my partner has 13 years of army medic experience. And oh well, first year that we were together, he's like, you have the most efficient panic attacks of anyone I've ever met. <laughs> it's like, I have five minutes to get this over with. Come on, let's go. Yeah, I, I'm uh, in the crisis situations that I've been in. There has been uh, uh, history has shown me to just sort of look at it, grit my teeth a little bit, go, well, shit, and then go do what needs to be done until a lull. And then I have my breakdown or my freak out or whatever, and then I get back to it. Um, it's not the 
least healthy response, but you know, it is what it is. Everybody reacts differently to those situations too. Well, and it's a pretty stereotypical first responder response. Mm -hmm. You deal with the trauma first and then you ride the adrenaline collapse. Right. Um, and that's, that's something that you can plan for. And I, <laughs> I love the reaction <laughs> on people's faces when I tell them that I schedule the breakdown. Right. But you have to build emotional slack in, into scheduling. Um, one of the things that I love doing is I've got a Google calendar mm -hmm. and it has my work schedule, my partner's work schedule, the teenager school schedule, all appointments, anything that is going to block out a chunk of time. Right. Got all of their doctor's appointments, everything on it, so that at a glance, any caregiver can look at that calendar and say, This is the point in time something needs to happen. This is the person who has the free time to deal with it. Right. Let me slot myself into that care need. Check it off. Mm -hmm. That's enormously helpful when you're spreading care over several caregivers for a single patient or two patients. And it saves a lot of time versus the old, all right, we're going to have the caregivers meeting and everybody sit down with your calendars and, and suss it out. Which we still do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of loosely disguised as a family dinner. So, you know, there's good food. There, There's occasional mild libation. Yeah. And everyone has a chance to interact and see face to face. Hey, so-and-so stood up too quickly and bonked their head. This bruise is where it's supposed to be. It's on its way to healing. Um, just physically check in. Because right. Some of us do a lot more of the remote mm -hmm. than the hands-on. And um, in, in any of these situations, as as with so many things, communication is going to be key. Over-communicate. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even yeah. if you wind up spamming people, um, you make sure that you don't miss things. And you are going to miss things. You oh, are yeah. going to forget appointments. You are going to forget so many things. Um so yeah, don't keep it all in your head. No, you, no, it will leak. Um, so just kind of moving down the list. Mm -hmm. What do you do first? Yeah, what do you, what do you do first on a given day? Other than get out of bed, decide whether or not you're going to stay out of bed. Yeah, sometimes yeah. that's that's a lengthy conversation. I have mm -hmm. a decent personal relationship with my mattress, and things keep trying to come between us. It's a problem. No, oh, I understand that one completely. Yeah. I we really don't get do. nearly as much alone time as we'd like. Mm -hmm. I prioritize things by whether or not they will impact someone's physical health. Gotcha. So my top priorities are, has everyone's meds been taken? Because we mm -hmm. are dealing with 27 pills in the morning for grandma. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. She's got a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. Some of those are medications that you cannot sketch without significant side effects. Yeah. So it, it can vary for an hour or two. If she's having a really slow morning, maybe she doesn't get up until 11. If she's having a good morning, maybe she gets up at seven to nine. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's going to be a really slow morning, I bring her breakfast in bed and we call it a treat day. As long as she gets out of bed, mm -hmm. I really don't know when. Right. Uh, but the first thing that has to be done, if I know that grandpa's really tired or that he's not going to be um, around when she gets up because he's at dialysis, mm -hmm. is make sure that those medications get administered properly. Yep. Make sure that her blood sugar gets checked and that she's got breakfast. 
um, because diminished activity means diminished appetite. Mm-hmm. And whatever food I can get in them, I will feed them. Right. We've got past the point of being religious about diet. <laughs> Um, and to the point of, I don't care what you eat, just eat something as long as it's not an entire Hershey's bar. Right. So there's a lot more slack in what I'm willing to condone as far as nutrition. I mean, it's not like they can't choose whatever they want, but I will try and recommend healthier options if I can. But also one of the big things that I have had to explain to other people is that these are adults. Mm Mm-hmm. They're allowed to make bad decisions for themselves. Oh, yeah. And there is honestly no way that you can prevent that. Uh, no. Nor should you. Oh. That when it comes to, I want a candy bar. When it comes to, hey, I'm going to try and cook dinner and burn the house down. You should probably intervene. Yeah, there. yeah. But, you know, for things that you honestly have no legal right to interfere in, you have mm-hmm. no moral right to interfere in. Let them do what they're going to do. Yeah. There are days that um, grandma's really, really certain that I have two middle school aged children. I don't. No. Never have. Pretty sure I would have noticed. I very carefully did not have children, but my partner's child decided to have me, so I do, in fact, have a teenager. It happens. But you can waste a lot of time trying to argue reality mm-hmm. with one that is harmlessly hallucinating. Right. Or you can listen to the things that they are telling you about what they see and get stuff done. I mean, mm-hmm. don't don't argue with their version of reality. It does no good. Right. <laughs> and it just stresses everyone out. Mm-hmm. So as many things like that as you can avoid mm-hmm. having a pitched battle over. Um, that's that's a good thing. And that's also part of that decision-making and prioritization process. Are you going to really be a stickler about, today we have to have a shower? Or are you just going to go get a washcloth and touch up the things that you're you're concerned about yeah. being t- um. Because to be honest, having a full shower every day isn't practical. Not after a point, no. It really isn't. (laughs) Um, Aside from the standing and transfer issues, it can take an hour and a half Mm -hmm. from start to finish of the process. Do you have an hour and a half that you are not working, cooking, setting up meds, trying to keep the house clean? Like, There's so many calls on your time. So that's the tier two priority. What has to get done. Once you've provided for the physical health and safety of you and your people, what else has to get done? The taxes have to get done. You have to go to work. Um, You have to eat, Mm -hmm. sleep, and shower. And at some point, you have to recreate. Yes. And I'm putting this in the need rather than want column. Mm -hmm. Because if nothing but service other people's needs you will wind up gibbering on the floor with a dog on your lap that is desperately trying to stick their tongue up your nostril because they don't know how else to fix the problem and oh yeah that's not a great place to be yeah no you're gonna you're gonna be deep fried mentally and emotionally and you're gonna do that way but you can you can stave it off longer yeah this is this is kind of 
rolling into how do you deal with failure already, yeah. to an extent, um, because that's, it's built into the system mm-hmm. and it's a two pronged issue when you're dealing with this because failure means someone could die. Yeah. Well, we can just go ahead and roll with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And it's, yeah. you could have small failures where you, you miss a standard appointment or, you know, you don't get their hair brushed. Mm-hmm. You wind up getting them Jack in the box tacos because they have needs rather than a vegetable. Um, or you can have massive failures where mm-hmm. there's a fatality potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been on deck for all of those things. When you have someone's life depending on you, it becomes a much different equation yeah. for fear and how you cope with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you will need a therapist. Oh, God, I don't yeah. care who you are you will need a talk therapist because you cannot cope with this without talking it out with someone and everyone in your family is going to have not just their plate full, but when you're talking about that analogy, you're talking about an entire dinner table. If you take something off of your plate and you put it on someone else's plate, it doesn't leave the table. Um, So, when somebody says, oh, I can take that over, I can take this over, it's like, okay, that's fine. But if your plate is not three quarters empty, we're just shuffling the responsibilities around. We're not actually creating more space and more time overall. Right. So you have to think about that as well. Um, outsourcing things. Like if your friend says, you know, I would like to come over and help you spring clean. And it's like, do you have a hazmat suit? Yeah. Because that's a good question to ask. Um, Do you have a hazmat suit and two weekends free? um, If they're serious about Mm -hmm. it, say yes. Oh, yeah. Teach yourself to say yes to help. It's hard. Particularly when it's something like this and the stakes are high. Mm -hmm. It will reduce your failure rate significantly if you just let people I'm, I'm, I'm making note on that. Yeah. Um, you don't and, have to do it alone. Best advice you've ever, you can give out, learn to say yes to help. <laughs> yes. Um, and best advice I could give to a bystander, mm-hmm. because you are going to talk about this with people. It becomes a pretty central nugget of your life. Right. 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 When they look at you and they say, Wow, I don't know how you do that. I don't think I could. Don't say that to people. We know. <laughs> we know how hard it is. Yeah. We are well aware of the fact that you are looking at our lives and going, holy shit, what the hell? Mm-hmm. I could never do that. Well, neither can we. Yeah. It's, it's not that we have massive capacity. It's not that we have massive skills or or this magical competence. It's that you do everything five minutes at a time. And at the end of the day, who else is there? I mean, yeah, the, the reason you don't think you can do it is because you haven't had to do it. And the end Mm -hmm. result is to be honest that you can't. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people involved in this, not being as bad as it could be. 
Right. Um, and there are some yeah. amazingly good moments. There are some amazing interactions that you have with your patients, with your family. Um, there are some brilliant opportunities that go with this. I know that a lot of this has been either technical or a little bit focused on the negative. Right. But you do find that, and that's the flip side of it. When you are encountering a caregiver, meet them where they are. Do not tell them how they need to feel about it. Mm -hmm. Do not tell them that they're fabulous. Don't tell them that they suck. Say, wow, that feels like a lot. Do you need to talk? Yeah. Um, just don't don't try to put expectations on someone that has no spoons left. <laughs> because frequently you will get forked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you hit that boiling over point and mm -hmm. there's just there's not a lot of, of social graces. Yes. Left. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Tolerance, passion, meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. I'm out of forks and spoons, so all I have left to give you is a knife. <laughs> Sorry, that one just popped into my head. It's very apt. I'm gonna need a t. I, I'm gonna have to make that one a t-shirt. Or if somebody yes. out there wants to make that into a t-shirt, great. Just tell me where to buy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure that people can meet those needs for you. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, um, so we've we've talked a little bit about failure. We've yeah. talked about best advice. We have a lot on the systems and habits that keep you moving forward on a day-to-day. -day. I have an entire page of notes of a discussion I'm going to have to have with my parents. So the, the next question that comes up is hopefully the happy one is when you have a success, do you celebrate it? And if you do, how? And we're back to a two-edged sword. <laughs> um, Yes, we do mm -hmm. celebrate successes. Mm -hmm. One of the things about caregiving is that your successes are collaborative. Ah. Because a success is going to be a health benchmark or a mental stability benchmark, or you put in grab bars and someone can physically lift themselves off right. the toilet. Um, they can uh, use these really cool tools to put their own shoes on. Mm-hmm. So is it a success? Yes, it is a success. Is it your success? Or were you simply enabling someone else's? So that changes how you celebrate and it changes how you recognize it. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the recognition there is reciprocal. You're praising someone for doing something they've been able to do their entire lives. Right. Suddenly they couldn't. And sometimes they're really happy about that because they're gaining some skills. Mm -hmm. And Sometimes they're like, don't point this out. And yeah. they can be a little bit sharp about it because it's, it's pointing out what they've lost. Mm -hmm. So know your people mm -hmm. with my grandfather. He's a pretty phlegmatic person. Um, and what he likes is peanut butter, football and meatloaf. So one of those things <laughs> <laughs> will probably set him up like, make a batch of peanut butter cookies if something goes particularly well. Right. And that pretty well sets him up for happiness. Um, on my side of it, I celebrate successes by hopefully sleeping in, by mm -hmm. having time to take a five-minute shower instead of a three-minute shower, 
by by recognizing the space we gained. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I will uh, get myself a, a game on the iPad <laughs> because you need something to do with the waiting room. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, a new book or something that I can do that that plays more to recreate mm-hmm. than the create side. Um, the other edge of the success mm-hmm. is that they're all finite. Oh yeah. When you're talking end of life care, the best definition of success that you can hope for is that at some point their wishes have been met and they die painlessly in their sleep. How do you celebrate that? We usually sit around after the funeral and get wasted. That's the family tradition so far. Uh, yeah, I'm planning yeah. a hell of a wake, mm-hmm. um, which I may or may not be awake for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because that's going to be a pretty hard crash. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when, when you're talking about failure and success on the scale, there is a sliding scale. You have wild successes. You have wild failures. You have mild failures. You have mild successes. Mm-hmm. But the end result of all of them is still going to be mortality. Yeah. And while you certainly can't dwell on that, because today is not the day that that's happening, mm-hmm. and that has to belong to tomorrow, Yep. you also have to be aware of the fact that that's what you're measuring your success failures against, mm-hmm. is the best possible outcome, not... Not the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I will admit, after the first few times that you've done the milk of magnesia run and you've got someone that's bedridden, mm-hmm. you become really intimately tied to the reality of your situation. Yeah, success isn't isn't a. It's, it's all about the small successes at that point. It's not about some big, grandiose, I completed a plan. It's we had a good hour. We had a good day. We had a good week. Yeah. yeah. We got out of the house today. We got mm-hmm. out of the bed today. And you, you know when things are getting bad, um, when they don't get out of bed. Yeah. You can recover from spending one day in bed. Two days, you're looking at several weeks of recovery. A week in bed, you're looking at months. Mm-hmm. So kind of your primary goal is um, fighting inertia. Yeah. Um, entropy will eventually be what drags you down. And yeah. the longer you can stave that off, the longer you have. Um, balance that against, you know, do you have someone that it is kind to prolong? Right. What are their wishes regarding this? Are they just done and their body won't give up? That was what happened with my great grandmother. She was done. She had seen her child and her grandchild and her great-grandchild through their their vulnerable times, and she was done. And her body just kept living um, without regard to her wishes. And when she was finally able to pass away, Mm -hmm. we all got the feeling that she was so relieved. Yeah. Yeah. So balanced that against your need to well our society's need to keep people indefinitely Mm -hmm. Um, 
and we're we're certainly not. I mean, I, we will not get into any of the political discussions around that. No. Um, <laughs> because I have, uh, it's a complex issue. Um, there are people with v- wildly varying differences of opinion in this household, let alone listening right now. Um, it should yeah. be. <clears throat> it's it, a personal decision. It is. It really is. Yeah. What what you decide has to reflect what you truly believe mm-hmm. and what you want for yourself. And that's at no point would I presume to override that for right. either of my primary patients. Um, and you'll notice that I'm using words to distance myself from time mm-hmm. to time. You know, yeah. they're primary patients when it comes to medical decisions. They're my ancestors when it comes to legal and financial decisions. They're my grandparents when it comes to emotional decisions. Mm-hmm. Because you do have to compartmentalize to an extent. Um, and you, you use your medical brain to deal with some things and your emotional brain to deal with others. And having nomenclature that frames that really helps me put it in perspective. Right. Um, and it helps me remember to phrase it that way in the appropriate setting because the terms that you use get you a lot, (laughs) a lot of leeway and respect in the various institutions you're going to have to fight your way through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking that, uh, so I'm, I'm also now going to have to have a very long talk with my sister who is also a nurse. So, I mean, I'm not, obviously, but about, you know. What do you want? What do they want? And and not so much when, if the time comes, but when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's something, Mm -hmm. that's something that's hard to face is that it's, it's an end sum game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been interesting having the teenager with us and having her really experience this firsthand because um, she's she's a little bit older than I was when I lived through it with my great-grandmother mm-hmm. um, and having her kind of hit these realization points that it's like oh they're not going to get better from this it's like well yeah. no 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 chronology does not resolve itself mm-hmm. yeah and She's she's had to walk with that a little bit and um, try and, and metabolize it in very small bites. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say uh, 2018, after my um, ex-wife and her family moved to South Carolina to be able to provide better care for um, her father, uh, my oldest son went with them. He was 20. Uh, his mm-hmm. choice to make. Uh, he lived with his mom. Um, and so he got to see much more of that caretaking and things going on. Not that my, my younger son who's wanted to stay here to stay in his high school, graduate from high school here, all that stuff. Um, so they've both sort of seen it and been aware of it. Um, but they're at the age where it really starts to sink in. I think, um, I didn't lose anyone close to me or even family to me until I was much older than they were. Right. So it's a big, it's a big adjustment and it's, it's, I think it would be a lot easier to see 
earlier, and that's something that was a little more realistic before we spread out, before we started living significantly longer, before that gap mm-hmm. where elder care was outsourced, period, exclamation point. Yeah, if you can, mm-hmm. if you can normalize it, mm-hmm. it has a lot less terror. Yeah. But, um, one of the things that has been enormously helpful to me, um, my grandmother's best friend had terminal brain cancer. Mm. And her end of life was spread out over about a year and a half. And uh, I was homeschooled at the time. Yeah. So grandma and I took Tuesdays. And we were mm-hmm. over there all day on Tuesday because past a certain point, she couldn't be alone. So right. there was just Rhoda of friends and family that would go and spend the day with her. Mm-hmm. And that, that spanned the entire length of her illness up until she passed away. And I was 10, 11. Yeah. And it was just what you did. It mm-hmm. was, it was a chance to grieve with the person you were losing. Yeah. And it certainly didn't lessen the pain, but it made it less lonely. It made it less separating in a way because you had that time because you spent mm-hmm. that time. You, um, you interacted very fully with that process. Yeah. And some people can handle that. And some people can't. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of strife in families when you get one person that's either the responsible one so they get stuck with it mm-hmm. or capable one. So they've got more capacity for it. And then you may or may not have more than one of those. That's great. Yeah. Probably going to have at least one person that doesn't. And there's going to be a lot of, of guilt and blame associated with not having those skills yeah. or capacity. Um, and as much as possible, find out what that person is good at. If they're if they're good at being a legal interface, mm-hmm. um, set them up to interface with whatever wills you need, whatever trusts you need. Find them something to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even making grocery runs, um, that actually is hugely <laughs> helpful. Incredibly helpful. Oh, believe me, having having had shepherd around and being able to say i'm not going to be able to get away can are you going out can you grab some of the grocery store blah 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 having that has been incredibly helpful yeah you know um, um, work, working swing mm-hmm. i'm on shift from two to ten so i can get people up in the morning i can put them to bed at night right it works really well however mm-hmm. a lot of the errands get compressed into your weekend so you don't actually have a weekend um, one of the things that I've managed to wrangle is a food box. Mm-hmm. Um, the we go through imperfect produce at the moment because oh. um, there's a <laughs> lot of food on the discounts. For oh it, so yeah, yeah, reasonably. Um, but it's it is a box of fresh food that you can customize that is delivered to your door. You don't have to think about it. You can choose it all on your lunch break at work, mm-hmm. and it arrives. <laughs> All you have to do is eat it. Yes. Um, Because you can choose, you know, prepped or ingredients. Mm -hmm. It makes life so much easier if you've got that that's automated. Yeah. So so yet again, automate what you can't fix. I'm, I'm, I'm a system administrator. That's sort of one of our bywords. If I have to do it twice by hand, then I'm going to automate it because I, because that means I'm going to have to do it again and I'll, Everyone who says, oh, no, 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 it's a one-off. You'll never have to do that again. Bullshit. 
my my girlfriend mm-hmm. uh, has a degree in supply and logistics. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant person. Oh yeah. She finally looked at me and said, "Why are you not already a project manager? Because you are thinking like one. You are performing most of the duties of one. Why don't you just go and get that certificate and get a better job?" And it's like, "When do I have the time? Right. Hopefully, we can do it later." Yeah. It once you start thinking about these situations um, as systems, as as entropy, as physics, as mm-hmm. quantum theory, uh, you can you can separate the human element, which you should do for planning purposes. Right. You should Within not reason. do for humanitarian purposes. Right. I mean, add back in once mm-hmm. you're done really thinking about it. But there are a lot of business systems and a lot of of coping systems that are very applicable if you think at 90 degrees to the actual issue. Yeah, and uh, and we've tried to divorce that sort of thinking from the process because we get very emotional about it. And yeah. so... Um, That's unavoidable. It's a very yeah. emotional thing. Yeah. If you're, you're going you're gonna to drown, mm-hmm. you're going to drown in your own tears. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you need to. Sometimes you just need to fall and go over to your friend's house, say, I need to have a feely night mm-hmm. and go, go sit in their hot tub <laughs> because you have to do something. Yeah. I'm and very sorry. Tonight is my meltdown night. I will be back. Um, exactly. You know, yeah. you were, it's why respite care is so important. Mm-hmm. But somebody else in charge of those alarms right. and you leave. You physically leave the area so that people can't ask yeah, questions. They can't need you to do something for them. You have to vacate. Right. On a pretty regular basis. I would say at least once a week. If you can't manage once a week, make sure that it is no less than once a month. Right. No less than once per month. And that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of pushing. Considering... Yeah how much you're dealing with. But, you know, it's also, do you work full-time? Do you do this full-time? How much is on your plate? Yeah. And if you don't do it, then you are going to overload. You are going to short-circuit. And then little failures become big failures, become problems, become, you know. Um, And that's also something that, failure criteria. Mm -hmm. When you have a recurrent condition, there are always going to be bad days. You can't freak out when you have a bad day. Right. Um, you can set failure criteria. Mm-hmm. Health condition that tells you when you need to pay attention to it. Right. And that really helps with deciding, uh, you know, how you deal with failure. Mm-hmm. Have you had one? Right. Yeah. What are the, what are the tolerances within the system as it were? You cannot assume mm-hmm. that everything that goes wrong is a failure. Right. So much as your condition may be developing, you um, you may have had an unexpected expenditure of energy, of mm-hmm. finances. Life is not under your control. Right. Simply because it doesn't all go according to plan does not mean that you have failed. No. And that's but, important to walk with. Yeah. Because um, if, you, if you enter into the mindset of anything that does not go according to plan is a failure. Oh, that burnout window has just drastically shortened. Gone, yeah, it's gone from this big to this tiny. Uh, pretty much. Mm. Pretty much. The, 
um, <laughs> as, as you frequently discuss systems and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, your, your scheduling software for mm-hmm. that yeah. works beautifully for um, care processes. Mm-hmm. Because once you get it down to a rhythm, you know that tonight is bath night and that's going to be an hour and a half of your life. And, right. you know, going to bed rhythm is 45 minutes and somewhere in there mm-hmm. should be a line item for freaking the fuck out. <laughs> right. Seriously, yeah. put it in your schedule so that you know when you're allowed to. Because 90% of being a caregiver is that you're the one in the room that is still calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't freak the fuck out until... After you're outside that room. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's that first responder thing. Mm-hmm. Um, use the adrenaline. Do not let the adrenaline use you. Yeah. And cool. if you need to... It is so much easier to be angry than it is to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Because angry is fuel. You can run on it when there's nothing left. Be careful with it because it will get out of control. Yes. And Oh, I'm familiar. You can get very embittered and mm-hmm. very resentful mm-hmm. of what you're being required to do. If you're using anger as fuel. Yes. The things we've lived through. Mm. Anger <laughs> as fuel. Okay. That was a pretty intense and, and deep emotional thing. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. we haven't, your listeners to that one. Uh, hopefully that well that's what we do the content warnings for that's what we do the content warnings for um holy shit monkeys uh <laughs> we've had those oh i'm sure <laughs> yeah um and and even with all of that i'm gonna take some time after this and before because one of the things i was going I'm, I'm going to do today is i've got a new worm bin to set up but i'm gonna need to take a break before i do that that's that's fair. Heavy this stuff. Heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's even just being the interviewer and just hearing about this. Mm-hmm. It's it's taking up a lot of emotional space mm-hmm. in your head, and this is a, a third party experience. Well, it's not just that. It's that there's as as the interviewer asking the questions, taking the notes. There's a second voice in my head going, "You're going to have to deal with all this stuff. You're the oldest. You're the one who is going to be expected to start f- slipping into these roles, right?" So there's a the, the back in the back of my head is all of the you need to learn from this because this is going to be important soon. It's, it's I hope, I mean, I hope it isn't soon, but there's a part of me that's going, this could be your life tomorrow. Start preparing. And one of the things that is drastically important, Mm -hmm. um, you're lucky if you have siblings. I'm a third generation only child. Ah, our family is six people and two of them are terminally ill. Mm -hmm. That's going to be 30% of my inner circle. Within five years. Yeah. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, as we were talking about earlier, it really pinpoint narrows down the pressure. Yeah. 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 The earlier you can get some of these things in place, mm-hmm. 
um, check and see if they have a will or a living trust. How is the inheritance going to work? How is their end yeah. of life care going to work? Have them write it down. Get this stuff notarized. Get all of their important information in one place. You hold don't on, have to be Swedish air cleaning. I, I have it. I have it right here. Uh, get them to scan everything. Scan copies. <laughs> um, make sure. Yeah. In the case of all of that. Yes. Yeah. I've been taking OCD. furious notes on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and part of my kind of reclaiming that mm-hmm. that side that because um, I really haven't made anything since I graduated in 2016. Right. Um, it, it's been an insane life mm-hmm. in the last three and a half years. Um, I, I just got a studio with the door that shuts where I can kind of exclude the world and focus. Mm-hmm. Um, putting together a new website with the pen and ink drawings that I do at work and appending a blog to that mm-hmm. and being, um, being kind of open, being kind of frank about this process within that framework yeah, is giving me some place to record it is giving me some place to process through it. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I'm talking about people that right. are in my care, I have also gone to them like before this interview, um, I went to everyone involved and said, what is your comfort level with me talking about this? Right. Because right. there's so little control mm-hmm. that they have in their lives anymore. Um, and so much of it is being seeded and so much of it is being redistributed mm-hmm. that you have to be really careful not to overstep what's left. Right. And yeah. I, I got carte blanche from everyone involved or this would have been a very different conversation. Um, cause it's possible to talk about just the systems without the emotional impact, but it's not inclusive. It's not right. Yeah, yeah. A full picture. Yeah. Cause there's. Because it is, pardon the phrasing, folks. I know how you feel, but it's a holistic, it's a holistic thing. It's it's an entire it's it's an entire interleaved system. Notice, I didn't say it was a homeopathic thing, people. I've not slipped that far in my sanity. Um, Let's not mention that giant shipping container of worms. Yeah, but but, uh, there's no way to divorce divorce there's no way to address one piece without um concerning all the others yeah 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 oh you've given me a lot to think about (laughs) big rest yeah big rest big rest i'll think about my um i I think my uh, i'll just i've got my chakra cleansing underwear now so there you go kidding i mean i i have it but it was a i was trolling ursula so um (laughs) Whatever works for you, I am the last person to impose judgment on someone else's zen. There you go. So, go put a chicken on your head. Um, usually it's if I can pick her up, she puts herself there. It's it's not like I have a choice in the matter. So, if she's in the mood. So, Heather, thank you so much. Likewise, Uh, this has been intense. This has been wonderful. Uh, I've I have learned a lot. I hope everyone else has too. And, uh, and for the people at home who have made it this far, we'll be right back after this.
And we are back. Do you have the hound? I have the hound. Hound is has decided it is now time to pet beautiful hound. Excellent. I want to thank Heather for taking the time to talk to all of us. It was absolutely amazing. And because I forgot to ask Heather during the interview, you can go to heatherlow.art, and I'm going to link it in the show notes uh, to get more information on Heather's art. Excellent. So it's, yeah, it's really cool. The other thing to talk about now is, as we're sort of reeling from that, is our badge code for this week. Our badge code for this week is heavy stuff, all one word. And rightly so. I was going through my notes and thinking about it, and I'm like, what else am I going to do? I mean, there are so many things I could do that may be in poor taste, but heavy stuff seemed to be the one that, that worked. And so that's what we're doing this week. You can find out about badge codes on the website. And while you are there, you can find ways to support us. Yep. Which, uh, if you want to give us money, you can. We're not going to turn it down. I have a Patreon. You get free ebooks, uh, all my self published stuff. Or you can go to Kofi or for yep. Kevin, or you can just tell your friends you like us. That's fine. Or you can write letters so that Kevin can read them. And Yes, we're, we're coming up, I think, uh, two weeks until our next letter show. So there are lots of options. Kevin there loves are, to hear from you. I do. I do. Even, uh, even the ones that say things like, don't read this on air, but. Yes, he, yeah. he is, is glad the, to read them and does not read them on air. Do not. Yeah, it's okay to send letters that you don't want read on air. It is. It is. Uh, and I have one of those to share with you after we're done recording. Oh, okay. So uh, thank everybody for listening. Uh, I know it, it's been a long one and a bit of a roller coaster on that one. So I'm just going to let you all process. process and remind you to uh, stay productive. I'm going to go to an ADHD appointment and forget my name. Again. Yeah.